It's good to be with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, on this, as Pastor said, this has really been a beautiful day. Uh, I love this time of year. And the Lord has been so precious to me and my family, which made it even better this last couple of weeks. We're going to be taking a look at a, a verse that's become even more precious to me over these past few days. That's uh, a verse you all recognize, I'm sure, very quickly. It's uh, found in Psalm 116, if you'll turn to that psalm, and we're going to be looking at verse 15. Psalm 116, verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you for this, your word that is true. And we can stake our lives on it. That when your saints die, Father, and they go to enter eternity, you are there, dear Lord, smiling And it is a precious thing to you, Father. What a comfort, what a joy. Oh, dear Lord, help us to understand even the deeper meaning of this, this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Webster defines the word precious as of great value, greatly cherished. Applying this definition to our key verse, we could say that When a saint dies, God sees this as an event of great value. I think it could be rightly said that God cherishes the thought of every saint's death. He doesn't always cherish the process, but he does cherish the outcome. So the question for each person here tonight is, when you die... Will your death be precious in God's sight? We're going to give some attention to that question tonight, but first I'd like to set the stage for answering that question by taking a route that may have you scratching your head. Please bear with me as we move along. I trust things will become clear. Most of you know that each Sunday, men and women from Anchor minister at Shalot Assisted Living in Shalot and at Brunswick Health and Rehabilitation Center just a few miles down the road. Those of you who have been to both places know that there are significant differences between the two facilities and the residents that are there. One particular difference that makes ministering at Brunswick Rehab more challenging than ministering at Shalot Assisted Living relates to the fact that there are far more Catholics at Brunswick Rehab than at Shalot Assisted Living. When it is my Sunday to preach at Brunswick Rehab, I try to get there early enough to walk around and talk to the residents, encouraging them to come to the service. It is not uncommon to go into a room hear the TV, and soon determine that the resident is watching Mass. My time in those rooms is brief, since the resident is engaged in something more important to them than talking to a stranger. Often, I will stop to talk with someone in a common area 
and invite them to the service. On more than one occasion, the response has simply been, I'm Catholic. A few times the resident followed with, I will not come to hear my religion bashed. That response grieves me, but at the same time I know there is a measure of right discernment on the part of the resident. If they do go to the service, they are going to hear the truth, and the truth will often be in direct conflict with the Catholic religion. They will hear a message founded on the simplicity that is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 11.3. And that simplicity is at great odds with the rituals, relics, rosary, pageantry, merry worship, saint worship, penance, absolution, and on and on. What is particularly grievous, grievous is that most of the people at Brunswick Rehab are well advanced in years. It may be just a short time when they will experience death. And that brings us back to our key verse for this evening, Psalm 116, 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I submit to you that a Catholic person has no grounds for this verse to give him or her any comfort. The obvious question when considering the application of this verse is, who are God's saints? After all, that's who the verse is talking about, saints. Can the typical Catholic view himself or herself as a saint? No. And why is that? It is because of what the Catholic Church says about sainthood. Listen. Steps to sainthood. First of all, before a person can be considered for sainthood, he or she must have been dead for at least five years. Parenthetically, Pope John Paul II waived this requirement in Mother Teresa's case. Then it gets down to four four particular steps here. First step. When the subject arises that a person should be considered for sainthood, a bishop is placed in charge of the initial investigation of the person's life. If it is determined that the candidate is deemed worthy of further consideration, the Vatican grants a nihil obstat. This is a Latin phrase that means nothing hinders. Henceforth, the candidate is called a servant of God. Second step, the church official, a postulator, who coordinates the process and serves as an advocate must prove that the candidate lived heroic virtues. This is achieved through documents and testimonies that are collected and presented to the Congregation for Causes of Saints in Rome. When a candidate is approved, he or she earns the title of venerable. Third step, to be beautified and recognized as a blessed, 
One miracle acquired through the candidate's intercession is required in addition to recognition of heroic virtue, and in parentheses, or martyrdom in the case of a martyr, in parentheses. Fourth step, canonization requires a second miracle after beautification. Though a pope may waive these requirements, and parenthetically, a miracle is not required prior to a martyr's beautification, but one is required before his or her canonization, in the parentheses. Once this second miracle has been received through the candidate's intercession, the Pope declares the person a saint. Brothers and sisters, how can anyone read the Bible and come away with such nonsense? It brings back harsh words Jesus had for the Pharisees in Matthew 15, 7 through 9. Ye hypocrites... Well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandment of men. So why am I harboring or harping on the era of Catholicism? Because the same Satan who has masterfully and patiently and subtly and powerfully built this complex system of false religion is the same Satan who is constantly and relentlessly trying to draw Christians from the simplicity that is in Christ. And let us not think that we are immune to Satan's devices we are warned in 2 Peter 3, 17, to beware lest we be drawn away by the error of the wicked. Satan is still whispering in Christians' ears, did God really say? He wants us to doubt what we read in the Bible. It was in 1976 I had graduated from college and I took a job in Asheboro, North Carolina, in the center of the state of North Carolina. I lived in Greensboro and Walt and Julie know very well where I'm talking about, which is some 25 minutes from Asheboro. I, I like that location. Cindy happened to be a senior at UNCG and we weren't married yet. It was the year before we got married. So I lived in Greensboro and went back and forth to Asheboro and I had an apartment there, and I'd go see Cindy in the evenings and eat off of her meal cart. She never ate the meals at school, so I helped her mom and dad make good on the investment they made on that meal card. It was all, it was all legal. It wasn't I was getting something for free. Well, when I went to the first thing, one of the first things I noticed when I went to this company in Ashburn, it was called Moore Gardner and Associates. There was a man I met there. His name was Roy Spainauer. It wasn't long before he had captured my attention. He was, frankly, he was the most Christ-like person I had ever met. That really intrigued me. And by the providence of God, after two or three years, I was placed under his supervisorship. I, was, I worked for Roy. There was one day that we were going out on the project. Roy was driving. I was in the passenger seat. We're driving along, and Roy looked over to me and he says, Don, have you been born again? 
Well, that was a time in my life when I was doubtful. I doubted my salvation. I was having a problem. But I said to Roy, the truth, I said, Roy, I think that I am. And Roy said, do you believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead? And I said, Roy, yes, I believe that. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He says, can you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? I said, yes, Jesus is Lord. And Roy took his eye off the road a little while, looked at me, and he said, Don, believe the Bible. What? I, I've never forget that. I'm not sure how many 40-some years ago. Believe the Bible. Brother Wood, he just said, because there's nothing we can take away from this message tonight. If, if, if there's three words that you leave here with, it's this. Believe the Bible. Believe what the Bible says. Not what men say, unless it is in line with what the Bible says. If you have questions about what a man says, go to the Bible and check it out. Talk to somebody that you know has, has, the Lord has gifted with, with understanding the Word of God. Folks, let's, let us in this church believe the Bible, the simple truth of Jesus Christ and what He did for us. Now, back to the question raised at first. When you die, will your death be precious in God's sight? Well, if you are a saint, the answer is yes. And if you are a Christian, praise God, you are a saint. Let's let the Bible drive that truth deep into our inner being. I'm going to read several verses here, just a, just a very small part of where you could go with, with this idea of saints. So just please just listen, listen to me and just follow along. Psalm 89.5 And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. Psalm 149, 1. Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and His praise in the congregation of saints. Romans 1, 1, and then Romans 1, 7. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, to all that be, to all that be in Rome, Beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 and 2. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. If you've been coming to Sunday school, you've been hearing Mike and Dale teach on 1 Corinthians. This verse came, it's the first two verses in 1 Corinthians. 
If you've been here and you've paid attention, you will know that church had some problems, serious problems, serious sin problems. And what is Paul calling those people? Saints. Another verse from 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion. That's something else we can take with us tonight. God is not the author of confusion. Satan is the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. 2 Corinthians 8.4, still talking to the church at Corinth. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1, 1 and 2, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, Philippians 4, 21 and 22. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. When Paul wrote the the, uh, epistle to the Philippians, he was in jail at Rome. And here in this last verse, it says there's a group of people that especially want to greet the, the church back in Philippi. They are those of Caesar's household. These are new Christians. They probably had never heard the gospel until Paul was taken into captivity, and Paul calls them saints. So, saint, take heart. When you die, your death will be precious in God's sight. And not only will your death be precious in God's sight, the death of any of your loved ones who are Christians will be precious in God's sight. What great consolation and reason to rejoice. Now let's go a step further. Why is a saint's death precious in God's sight? The answer is obvious. Because God loves His children and He wants to be with them. Hebrews 12.2 says that, the jo- that for the joy set before Him, Jesus endured the cross. And what is that joy? That He would be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8.29 as Jesus was raised in bodily form, so will all the redeemed be raised with glorified bodies to live with the triune God forever in heaven. It gives God great joy to shower His, His beloved with the rich blessings of heaven beyond anything they have ever known before nor could conceive of in their minds. He has their inheritance readied, described as incorruptible, undefiled, and never fading. 1 Peter 1, 4. Maybe God's greatest joy 
will be our greatest joy. We will no longer have a sin nature. And what about the angels? Luke 15, 10 says, There is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. How much more joy over multitudes of saints in heaven who have received their inheritance. Paul says it well in Philippians 1.21 with the simple proclamation that dying is gain. He follows that with verse 23 where he says that his personal desire is to depart and to be with the Lord. To be with Christ, which is far better. Now, one could logically ask, if it gives God great joy to have His saints with Him in heaven, and it is far, and it is far better for us to be there, why doesn't God just call His saints on home? Well, Paul, in the same passage where he proclaims that to die is gain and to be with Christ is far better, gives us insight. He says in verse 24, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Given that, that, given that understanding by the Spirit, Paul says in verse 25 that he knows that his departure will not be in his desired timing. Likewise, the passage in 1 Peter chapter 1 regarding the wonderful inheritance awaiting the saints is shortly followed by the words, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That's 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Now I would like to take the liberty of closing with a, a simple poem that I believe illuminates the simplicity that is in Christ. It's called, it's called Sweet Communion. Simple words, simple poem. Sweet Communion. When the world all around me presses hard to confound me, I will stop for sweet communion with my Lord. With my Lord. When my cheeks flood o'er with crying, and I think I'm surely dying, I will stop for sweet communion with my Lord, with my Lord. He is always there to meet me. With his tender words, he greets me. He reminds me, I'm his child forevermore, evermore. His strong arms enclose my being, and I find... Again, I'm singing, all is well. His plans for me will never fail, never fail. When it seems Satan's winning and the world's awash in sinning, I will stop 
for sweet communion with my Lord, with my Lord. When the battleground is covered with the blood of saints who suffered, I will stop for sweet communion with my Lord, with my Lord. As I, tra- as I travel as a stranger in this age of constant danger, I'll all stop for sweet communion with my Lord, with my Lord. I'll look far beyond my sorrow to that glorious tomorrow. I'll forever have communion with my Lord, with my Lord. Let us pray. Dear Lord, your word is so simple. Oh, help us to read it and to believe it, to apply it to our lives and to glorify you through the way we live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.